of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trenton Biz talking the world of Hawkeye athletics with you. Iowa basketball, the season is over. Another loss in the round of 32 as the Hawkeyes fall in overtime to Tennessee. Biz, it was a loss, but felt like a lot different feelings after this one compared to the last two times Iowa fell in the round of 32. Uh, Halfway through, it looked like it was going to be a repeat of those first two, but... uh... They uh, they battled back and made a heck of a game of it. And you know, Trent, uh, all around, just a, a great weekend to be a Hawk fan. It was it was nice to be uh, nice to be part of the madness again, and not only to be part of it, but to be one of the uh, storylines of it. So, uh, you know, both the both the men and the women uh, acquitted themselves well over the weekend. So two two fun days to cheer on the Hawks. That it was unfortunately a little over wrapping of the two. And uh, because of that, still a banged-out house in Carver-Hawkeye. I know you were – did you go to both uh, the women's games, both Friday and Sunday? We did. Since Friday was successful, we uh, copied our plan and, and tried to do everything exactly the same on Sunday. So uh, we, uh, we had a group of about 20 to 25 of us that, that set up shop at the Vine in Coralville, watched the Iowa men's game, and then uh, sprinted up the hill to Carver and watched the uh, Iowa women's game. So uh, – Two fun days, and our, we had a, a mix of uh, adults and kids, and uh, everybody had a lot of fun. And yeah, two very good crowds at Carver, and you know, two fun atmospheres to be cheering on the Hawks uh, in front of uh, and a couple hundred people at the Vine as well. So obviously, it would have been better if the outcome of the men's game would have been slightly different. But all in all, a, a heck of a weekend. Well, let's take a look back and let's start with the Iowa game against Cincinnati on Friday morning. It started off ugly. They're down 18 to four, and you know we talked about the matchup and, and how difficult this could be. Iowa kept chipping away, chipping away though, and you look up, it's halftime. It's a four-point game. A lot of different factors in that one. A lot of different ways that Iowa was going to be able to get back into it. But they stayed with the game plan. Made Tennessee, uh, excuse me, Cincinnati try to beat them from the outside, and in the end, uh, a, a victory. I think that'll be remembered for quite a while. An Iowa NCAA victory, and to do it in that fashion, that was a fun one Friday. Yeah, let's not overthink it, Trent. We we won the game simply because we uh we made shots. I mean, down second half, it was just clutch shot after clutch shot, and all around. I mean, Bear hit a couple of clutch ones. Uh, McCaffrey hit a huge one to get us the lead. Jabo hit a couple. Moss hit one. I mean, just everywhere. Uh, a fun win because it was a true team win. I mean, it was uh like you said, they just kept chipping away, and it's one where you know we looked scared as a team the first eight minutes of that game. We looked like we were overwhelmed by the moment and uh, give the team credit and, and I think give, give Fran a lot of credit because he, uh, he stayed calm, didn't overreact. You know, sometimes he has a tendency to, uh, you know, bench the starters or kind of freak out when things don't start well and he didn't do that at all. He, uh, he stayed calm and, and the team did as well and you know, like you said, a, a memorable win because it was, uh, you know, Cincinnati's not the world's greatest team but they were... They were clearly the better team for for most of the first half, and then once once we got them to play our our, our pace, uh, you know we we outplayed them, and you know it was nice to see a, 
nice to see it come from behind win. Yeah, I haven't been uh well there there's been some of those I guess in NCAA past and and uh have another one. It'll be a good memories going forward. Then Sunday comes around Tennessee and, and trying to talk myself into optimism, excitement, and then the first half happens and it looked like oh, here we go again, same old Iowa. Good enough to win a game, but that is it. And they, I mean, the second half, how does it change like that? I, they look like they didn't deserve, it was varsity versus JV. It wasn't even that. It was varsity against the sixth graders. It was so bad in the first half. Flip a switch in the second half and clamping down defensively. That that was the part of it. They just looked like such a different team in the second half. Yeah, I think it was just a matter of pride. I mean, we, I think we were probably embarrassed a little bit that first half, and the second half we just came out and, and played harder than they did. I think they kind of uh, put it on cruise control, and as we've seen a lot, especially in college basketball, once you once you put it on cruise control, it's hard to uh, hard to turn it back on. And you know, fortunately, we were able to cut it from you know twenty one to twelve pretty much instantly, and, and give Tyler Cook credit for that. He came out and. Uh, put the team on his shoulders for a few minutes, and, and from that point forward, it was at least a ball game. I mean, I didn't think we would get it tied or, or get it to overtime, but, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like we uh, came back and we were down eight with two minutes to go. Heck, we, we were basically uh, had it down to five with, uh, you know, eight, nine minutes to go. So it, it was a, uh, a pretty quick turnaround, and again, don't mean to uh, sound repetitive, but give Fran credit again. He, he could have, uh, you know, ranted and raved and screamed and yelled at halftime and, and, and he uh he pushed the right buttons and, and whatever he did it sounds like he stayed calm again and you know he got them to come out and play with a totally different energy level in the second half and, and would have been awesome to win but win or lose i think it's a game that uh we'll we'll look back at fondly for a long time to come Trent. you know the the interesting part about this is something that I, i've railed about for years and, and just about this Iowa program, and especially this season, as things got very divisive, very divided after last year and how bad it was. We both had expectations a year ago that was going to be an NCAA tournament team. They go 14-19 and 19 and 4-14 four and 14 in the Big Ten. Their season was over on March 1st. So you had that angle. This season, though, the winning was there, undefeated during the non-conference portion of the schedule, a great start, 10-6 and six in the Big Ten. Everything was looking good. You had other elements that were going on. The two suspensions for Gary Dolphin. Another collapse late in the year out of the team during the regular season. And it felt like more and more the fan base, that there were kind of factions that were starting up. And the one thing I've always felt that Iowa needed and Fran McCaffrey really needed was a big run. A run to the Sweet 16. A run at least till Saturday of the Big Ten Tournament. Now neither of those happened, but the fashion that the Tennessee game went and coupled with what happened Friday against Cincinnati – those two things together, I think, were that galvanizing point. Those are the two things that you put together and you just, the fan base can understand. You're building, things are heading in a positive direction, and something to be excited about going into next season. If that wouldn't have happened, if they just would have been blown out like the first half went against Tennessee, I think this offseason, as it pertains to Iowa basketball, would have been an incredibly difficult one to get through. But because of that comeback, because of the opportunity that they had, taking that game to overtime and a chance to get to the Sweet 16, I think the fan pace, more than it has really all season, feels like it's working its way back together, and those positive feelings are going to carry over into next year. I can't remember an Iowa team that needed to end on a positive note more than this team. As you just summarized, it's been a, uh, 
a roller coaster of a year, and unfortunately, a lot of those things are, were completely out of the uh, out of the players' control, or, or they had nothing to do with them. They just kind of got caught in the crossfire. So, I totally agree with you. It's, it, the whole vibe of this program changed in the second half of that game. I mean, we went from, uh, you know. What we'd be talking about right now are all the shortcomings and flaws of uh, of this team and how they just aren't good enough to compete with the uh, the upper echelon. And instead, we're talking about uh, their heart and their pride and, and you know how they uh, you know represented the whole state of Iowa pretty darn well. I mean, it amazed me how many random people, you know, guys that I didn't even know paid attention to college basketball. That the, the random work friends and things like that that have commented about watching that game and just talking about uh, how impressed they were with Iowa's effort and, and resiliency. So, yeah, this team needed some positive vibes, and they certainly got them. I mean, everybody, you know, the last four or five days, all we've heard is, uh, you know, this team's got a chance to be pretty darn good next year, and uh, you know, we would not have been talking about that if, if that game would have ended, uh, you know, eighty to fifty-five. No, not not at all. That would have been, I think, a long, uh, frustrating offseason. Now, this offseason is going to have some other elements to it, including guys that are going to be making themselves available for the NBA, at least trying to uh, make some money playing basketball. And, of course, that conversation starts with the guy that went through the process a year ago and Tyler Cook. So let's go there next uh, here, Biz. The decision that will be made here soon, you're going to hear him at the very least put his name in. It's a process that's going to take uh, almost two months before he has to make an ultimate decision. He took it up right until the last hour a year ago. I, I expect, expect nothing different this season unless he just says, you know what, I'm going to go through the NBA evaluation, but regardless, this is going to end my collegiate career. I'm going to move on and make m- basketball, you know, so make money playing basketball somewhere, be it the G League, overseas, whatever it may be. He could come out and say that. I don't anticipate that would be the case, but... This is going to be something, it's going to happen, and then it's going to be a long process probably before we find out the final decision behind Tyler Cook. Well, I'll just tell you his final decision now, Trent. He's gone. I just, I'm just, i 100% confident that Tyler Cook will not be a Hawkeye next year. I, just, I, I think he's had his mindset since the moment he made his decision last year. I think he, his whole mindset the entire year was, I'm coming back for one more year, I'm going to... Uh, Try to improve on certain areas. You know whether he did that or not is, is a whole other conversation. But uh, I think his mindset from from minute one was this is this is my final year of college, and I, I think he's going to uh, whether he gets you know a first round grade or, or zero grade at all. I think he's going to move on and, and make money somewhere. And you know I guess I don't blame him in some ways. I mean you know he, he is a good enough basketball player is he good enough to play in the NBA I don't think so but is he good enough to go over and make a lot of money playing basketball somewhere absolutely and you know if that's if that's the decision he wants to make and he's ready to do it then uh go for it and, and you know, he he represented the university awful well for three years and yep. he was a, he was a frustrating player from time to time but boy uh he, he was nothing but respectful at all times. He, he took the high road when he probably could have uh, ranted and raved a few times. And, and you know, he, he's a kid that uh, I think the, the farther he gets away, you know, a few years from now, I think people will appreciate Tyler Cook more than they do probably right now. I think they they focus on his flaws a lot right now. 
Um, but he was a heck of a player. I mean, yep. he's a, a one in a, a one in a generation player as far as athleticism. There just aren't many people you can compare him to in Iowa history. So, uh, my prediction, and again, I hope I'm wrong, but I am very confident we've seen the last of him. And if it is, uh, you know, thanks to Tyler Cook for three fun years. Yeah, there's no doubt a, a guy that was entertaining to watch. And you're right. I think a lot of a lot of times, too many times, people looked at the flaws in his game. And another part that that has frustrated me at times when the conversation and some of the misinformation would be out there about Tyler Cook as a player is they put a lot on his shoulders. They asked a lot of Tyler Cook. He was, for all intents and purposes, the only guy on this team that could beat anybody off the dribble and get to the basket. Your point guard can't do that, and Jordan Bohannon, that's not the way his game is built. Isaiah Moss can't do it consistently enough. Even Wieskamp as a freshman is not at that point. We know the big guys certainly are not at that level. And because of that... There were times when the offense would get bogged down and they'd stall or they'd get late in the shot clock. Tyler Cook, your power forward, would have to be the guy that does those things. He'd turn it over. He'd try to do too much at times. Yes, absolutely. But a lot of that was because of necessity, because of the roster construction of this squad. He was asked to do even more than he probably should have had to do offensively. Well, and there were some areas I thought he improved significantly this year. I thought he was a much better rebounder this year. I thought he was a much better passer. He did a much better job of understanding, you know, double teams and when and where to pass to. Um, and I thought his defense was, was better all around this year as well. Is he a great defender? No. But, but I thought he uh, seemed to have a better understanding of help defense and, and things like that. And, you know, people focus on the, the, the obvious things that, you know, he never improved his, his outside shooting. He's, uh, you know... <laughs> can tend to be a little loose at the basketball. I mean, clearly clearly he has some flaws in his game, but I thought all around he clearly got better this year. And, you know, again, selfishly I'd love for him to come back one more year because I think he could be uh, an all-time great if he comes back one more, but I, I just don't think he's coming back. And, and to be honest with you, I don't think he's the only uh, the only person, you know, obviously Bayer's gone, but I think there might be a few others that are, are not on the roster next year as well. Yeah, and, and speculating about that, Isaiah Moss, you, you wonder about him. You know, he's going to be finishing up now his fourth year on campus this spring. Last year, he went through the evaluation process. He's not an NBA guy, but again, you're ready. Who knows if he's close to graduation? That's great. Move on. Start making basketball, wherever it may be. And if not, and for both these guys and any for these guys, really, that decide to go on, the NCAA a couple years back made a great rule change. And if you're a scholarship athlete and you leave the university in good academic standing, you can come back still on scholarship and finish up your degree. A great rule by the NCAA. So this is also different than guys that were making bad decisions. You go back to when we saw a lot of these really start to crop up in the late 90s and into the 2000s where there was guys that had no shot at the NBA, had no backup plan, and then they wouldn't even be able to go back to school outside of paying for it out of their own pocket. That That isn't the case anymore. So I, I like the rule that the NCAA did there. It's it's tough to be frustrated with anybody that wants to go over. You know, only play basketball for a certain amount of time. There's only a certain amount of years you're going to be able to make money doing it. And maybe it's not going to be the guys that are making two, $300,000 a year overseas. But you can still make a nice start. I'll tell you what, right out of college, I, I would have certainly liked to make $75,000 and had free room and board like a lot of these guys get just overplayed in Italy or Turkey or whatever it may be for a couple of years before actually having to start at a real job. And with that being the point, this is a good thing for a lot of these guys, and that rule that's been in place, certainly a good one by the NCAA. Did you have any overseas offers to play basketball after high school? Uh, no, no. They, they, no. Oh. no. So it was more of a uh, decision that was made for you? Yes. 
Yeah. So, I, so that rule, the rule, I mean, I, I knew that rule was in place, I guess. Is there a time limit on that rule as far as when they have to come back? I don't believe so. I, I think it's basically infinite. I don't know if there is a time period after your, say, professional playing career ends that you'd have to come back if you got, you know, a year or two kind of leeway in there, or if it's just universal, it goes forever. And you decide, you know what, at 50 years old and you bounced around and you coached a couple of AAU basketball teams, you know what, I'm going to go back and get my college degree if you can do it then. I'm not sure about the uh, all the nuts and bolts exactly of the rule, but being in place regardless is a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's a great rule. I don't see any uh, negative of it. and I, I agree with you. I think I think it's 50-50 at best that Isaiah Moss is a Hawk next year. And I think the other guy that you may see uh, move on as well is Macy Daly. I, yeah. I think the writing just might be on the wall for him. The coaching staff might have a... Uh, a conversation with him and explain that you're you're welcome to stay if you'd like, but but uh, the minutes are going to be very very limited for you next year. So if he stays, I think it'll be solely because he just wants to get his degree. But uh, my guess is, you know, with with five people coming in and, and only one going out for sure, somebody's got to lose the minutes, and it seems to me that Daly's probably uh, number one on the chopping blocks because you know you got uh, Frederick coming in, and, and then you've got. Uh, Toussaint and McCaffrey, all three, you know, all three of those guys are are likely wing players. I mean, McCaffrey may eventually bulk up and do more of a post player, but he's certainly not at this point. So, uh, you know, Cook, Moss, Daly, I think there's some question marks on all three of them whether they will uh, be Hawkeyes uh, in 2019. Yeah, with those guys, of course, you got uh, up front Nunji coming back after a redshirt year, along with Cordell Pemsel. It's going to be back to really what we've gotten used to here lately under uh, under Fred McCaffrey an incredibly deep team, and with that depth, many of the concerns I'm sure are going to come up again about how the minutes are going to be divvied up. And Well, Biz, we will have a long, long offseason. We can get into that and try to figure that out, and we'll probably wait until the uh, the roster is set before we start to dive deep into that. Yeah, the one thing I would say about next year is I really hope Fran takes a, uh, a serious look at his roster talent. Um, and adjust accordingly. I mean, uh, we've always liked Fran's up-tempo style and the fact that he, he likes to be uh, kind of a run-and-gun team, but uh, you just look at that personnel for next year, assuming Cook leaves and potentially Moss. Um, we don't have a lot of athleticism on that team returning Trent, so I, I hope we uh, potentially learn a lesson against Tennessee because we came out trying to run-and-gun and, gun and uh, play up-tempo with them, and uh, fell down by 25 and in the second half we controlled pace much better and, and you know I, I think this team if you play to the strengths of this team they can be a really good team next year but if you try to pretend that you're something you're not and that you're a uh, run and gun try to lead the big 10 in scoring type team uh things aren't going to end well well we know what's going to happen they might lead the they might lead the league in scoring but they're also going to give up the most points in, in the league with the way that that team is constructed next season. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And see, you know, you're still going to run your secondary break. Another thing that I would like to see is them maybe even a little bit deeper with, with some of the pressure defenses that we've seen. We've seen the half-court trap work in the past. We've seen three-quarters. We've seen full-court. You know, even more of that because if this is going to be a team that has depth, this is a team that's going to go out there and play a lot of guys, I mean, you can throw Riley Till in the mix. Riley Till at least had some moments this year. If you're going to play 12, 13 guys next season – to make sure that every time those guys are out there, they're busting their ass and they're playing at the absolute hardest level that they can. You know, back in the Dr. Tom days, and we heard the same kind of things. Make sure if you're out there, you're busting it. You're going out there, and we will play, and everybody will get their shot. 
but you're going to have to play your hardest when you're out there. Riley Till's out there regularly. Trying to, something went something went woefully wrong with this roster. Right, Riley uh, Till had a dunk. What are you talking about? Well, he did, but uh, I'm talking next year. Uh, either we had a lot of defections or a lot of injuries because uh, he's clearly going to be 12 or 13 on the roster. So let, let, let's hope it doesn't get that, get to that point. All right, all right. Let, let's go right now to uh, something that left me scratching my head. You, you send a, a couple of topics every week. One of them. Why does NCAA officiating suck so bad? You're going to have to help me out here. I mean, in general, yeah, it's not good. But but what's going on here? Well, I just, there was a, a 45-second stretch of that game in the Iowa game where there was two just inexcusable fouls called in a major, the major moments of a, of a, of a round of 32 game. I mean, about three minutes to go in the game, there was back-to-back possessions that were just absolute embarrassment. The first one, so if you remember, they're up by one. I think it was sixty. It was sixty-five, sixty-four. Um, their point guard drives by Cook, and, and Cook literally does not touch him. And he just loses the ball out of bounds. They uh, assume contact, call a foul on Cook, and, and they get two free throws. We then go the other way, and, and Bohannon shoots a three, and, and there's just a blatant, inadvertent whistle by the, by the officials. They, they blow, assume contact again, and blow a whistle. They they get together and try to figure out a way that they can get out of calling it, and eventually they give us uh, three free points for Bohannon. And uh, you know there were multiple other calls in the game as well, but it just it blew my mind how poor the officiating was both ways. I mean, clearly we didn't lose that game because of officiating, but there were a couple others. There was a blatant travel call in overtime by uh, Williams in the post that uh, turned the game because we, we played great defense for possession. He traveled and then... Uh, kicked it out for a three that gave them a five-point lead. And, and I'm sure Tennessee fans, I, I, I saw it, they were livid with the officiating all game because we ended out with twice as many free throws as them. But, you know, that game uh, was too good to have that horrible officiating. I mean, I, 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 I get it. I get that there's uh, mistakes made officiating, but the ones that they made, I mean, to have an inadvertent whistle and just make up a, a, a foul on a three-pointer is, is inexcusable in that situation. Well, Biz, before we get out of here, we're going to run short on time as i got to get back to work. And with that, uh, we will save the spring football conversation for next week. But each and every week, it is time for Biz's Beat of the Week. Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the Day. Okay, here's Biz's Beat of the Day. This is Beat of the Week, Trent, I believe, is a, is a repeat of last year. And I think it was around the same time last year that I brought it up. It is time for NCAA basketball to convert to the, uh, with everybody else, high school basketball, NBA basketball, women's college basketball, and start doing four 10-minute quarters. So after watching uh, or going to numerous women's games this year, uh, the flow of those games is just so much better when you do four quarters and you do five fouls per quarter before you, you get in the bonus. So uh, I love the NCAA tournament. It's amazing how many games you have with uh, people in the bonus at the 12-and-a-half-minute mark, and it becomes a, a march to the free-throw line. So for the second year in a row, my, my plea is uh, please, please, please uh, follow everybody else and go to uh, four 10-minute quarters starting next year. Well, I, uh, I, I like the quarters. The five fouls, cool. I will miss the one-and-one, though. It, 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 this is inevitable. It will happen at some point. The women's game has gone that direction. The men's will 
here pretty soon. I will miss the old one and one though. You say that, but will you really? <laughs> three years from now, will you really? Ever, you know, will, will you look back and be like, "Man, I really miss, I really miss those one and one free throws." <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right, thanks for calling me out, Biz. All right, I got to get out of here. We will talk next week, and we got plenty of spring football to get into. What do you say? Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to just guess on spring football because we, we won't be able to see it no, so, no. unless you climb over the fence in the, at Fort Kinnick. So we'll just uh, pretend that we know what we're talking about when it comes to spring football, which uh, really isn't any different than anything else we do, Trent. No, we'll fake it very well. We will do it next week. All right, Biz, talk to you then. All right, go Hawks.